0: This is a podcast by Well House Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith, and a culture against faith. What's going on?
1: Not much, man. been kind of a rough day. I uh, was feeling a little under the
0: weather. I, I've heard you sniffling tonight. Yeah,
1: I went and I played golf yesterday, so if you don't know, um, listeners, I've recently gotten back into and serious about the game of golf. Um, the game of golf, not just golf, but the
0: game of golf. <laughs> yeah, um, for Cullen, that makes a pretty big distinction.
1: Yeah, but we don't have time to go into it now. No, uh, just clearly, somebody can say I really like golf. That means they enjoy watching it on TV. They watch the Masters. They like talking about it. Yeah. Uh, they might go play putt putt. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and that's fine. Like all of that's fine. i you know, I'm not, I'm not downing any of that. But, like, that's something very different than, like, actually going out and trying to play golf. Oh, for sure. Um, And trying to learn the different swings and how to do that. And so, um, but anyways, I went out and played a new course yesterday. And uh, it's a little bit north of here. And, like, I just felt like it got my allergies all kind of messed up. Mm. So, I was feeling, I had to take some decongestion, Allegra D. Legra D, if you want to sponsor an episode let me know we'll, <laughs> we'll hook you up on practicing presence <laughs>
0: uh, this is let's talk i know okay. but we'll we'll do
1: something with the naturalist pathway and mm, we'll hook you, there you up go. on there you go. practicing presents. there you go but yeah there's,
0: there's a marketing campaign there somewhere <laughs> oh for
1: sure a master a master of giving plugs for sponsorships <laughs>
0: um
1: so yeah uh Feeling a bit down. I wasn't quite as productive as I wanted to be today, but it happens.
0: Yeah. Um, Totally get that. Same here. Um, Not stuffy and stuff. Just busy, busy day. Um, My feet hit the floor this morning, man, and I was running. Nonstop. Uh, Yeah. Got all of the social media stuff done for this week. Nice. All of it. Um, Super happy about that. It took me about like four, four and a half hours, something like that. Nice. It took me a while, but I did it. Um Yeah. That's and then gonna, had back I, to back classes. Yeah, I I get
1: that. I did I did get my preaching calendar mapped out for the rest of the year. Nice. So
0: So productive day. Yeah, um, just
1: not as productive. Yeah.
0: But this is a good segue <clears throat> into um this new series that we're starting. Um family yeah right um both of us are members of family um we are members of the same family yep um and we have different roles in that family um as do all of our all of our listeners right they are in their own families and they have their own roles yep for sure um so so let's start walking through that you know what is the, the, the title of this episode, I believe, is What is the Biblical Family? Um, yeah. Or the Biblical Model of Family, or however we worded it. Yeah. Um, what, is, what is your answer to that question initially? It's terrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: it's um, this uh, patriarchal, male-dominated...
1: Yeah, I think if you really look at, like... And if, when we say that, I think it's important to like note what we mean when we say that word. When we say biblical,
0: mm-hmm.
1: most people mean, what do I see in the text? Absolutely. Um, not when we say biblical, what they don't mean is, how do I interpret this in light of the character of God? informed by the culture that it's written in they literally mean like that the bible is transferable one-to-one from them to us and so when you look at the biblical model of family at least at surface level it's not a great model no i think there are some things where i'm going to talk about that that lend Themselves to not being quite so harsh as the text portrays them at at surface level in our English translations, but there's a scholar, um, a a theology and New Testament professor at uh, Durham University in England, and or in the UK, and his name's Stephen Barton, and he has this quote in an article that he wrote, and I think it's just so like I read this about a year ago and it was so formative for me as I I began to think about this issue. Uh, He says, quote, the Bible says is not sufficient as a warrant for the Christian moral life, including marriage and family. Historically informed readings remind us that there's no such thing as the biblical family, or if there is, It is patriarchal, polygamous, multi-generational, slave-owning, and authoritarian with women and children, the property of male household heads. Such a vision does not and should not commend itself to people today, and that because the gospel is judgment on structures of oppression and liberation for the oppressed and marginalized, not least women, children, and strangers.
0: Yeah. I joked before we started this episode that we just needed to read that quote and stop recording (laughs) in the episode.
1: Yeah, I think um, he's so right.
0: Yeah, um, and I know that there's probably some listeners that are hearing that and squirming in their seats a bit. Um, But I would challenge you to, to sit with it for a minute.
1: Yeah, so let's walk through it, right? He says that it's patriarchal. Yeah. I don't think anybody really denies that element. You can't. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I made this argument. Um, I don't remember what episode. We put out so much content at Wellhouse Church. I don't remember, but, uh, oh, it was um, Find Some Perspectives, The God, The Son, Part 1. But I made this argument that if there were ever someone that faith, like the narrative of faith, couldn't do without, it's Mary. And the fact that she's left out of Hebrews 11 shows that this is a patriarchal, like, dominated by male society. Yeah. Um, We see more men doing things than women. Like, it's just male-dominated. We have very male dominated language in scripture. Like there's that one weird passage in first Timothy where Paul says, I don't permit a man to speak or have authority over, or I don't permit a woman to speak or have authority over a man. It's like, really? um, So it's very much so patriarchal. Yeah. Like that's not deniable. Yeah. Polygamous. Yeah. Equally not deniable. Yeah. And the text quotes that David has like 300.
0: And Solomon had like 500 or like something. 700, like 700. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like different wives. Which and, by the way. And concubines. Which yeah. are sex slaves.
0: Yeah. Which by the way, if, if you don't need this explained, or if you, if you might not know, um, that is contrary to what people would quote call the biblical model of family.
1: Right, but yeah. it's it's in the Bible right, and it's permitted. It yeah, um, you know, in the beginning we have Adam and Eve. So you seem to have at least originally this kind of one, one man, one woman kind of relationship. But it doesn't take long. I mean, we get to Genesis 12 and we get introduced to the character of Abraham, or at that point he's Abram. Um. It's just a few chapters in before he takes his wife's slave and sleeps with her to have a kid. Yeah. Like, it doesn't take long before this just becomes normative. Yeah. This kind of polygamous, multiple wives. Um, And notice, we never see a woman have multiple husbands. No. Not a thing. Because it's a male-dominated society. Yeah. um, And we never see... So this is something you'll hear in, like, contemporary settings when we talk about polygamy. Um, You'll hear people, like, what happens if you get, like, one man married to three women, but the three women also marry themselves? Like, marry each Mm -hmm. other? It's like, okay, like, that's a whole different animal. Because then if, like, one of those wants to leave, they got to divorce three other people. Yeah, Um, That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. This is one man who has a direct line underneath him. He is at the top, and he has as many wives as he wants. Think about it,
0: and it's sad to to say it this way, but think about it like a an organizational structure, right? Um, like let's take uh, Apple for example. You got Tim Cook at the top. Yep. And then you got a whole well. Realistically, bunch of you would have the board. Well, you would have the board at the top, yeah. but. For for this example. For you got, staff purposes, yeah. You've got Tim Cook at the top, and then you've got a, a line of executives yep. that uh, directly report to him. Yep. Um, that's that's the kind of model that we're looking at
1: here. Yeah, absolutely. There's one person on top. It's the husband of all the wives that he has. Yeah. Hands down. And then he says that it's multi-generational. That is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't live in a multi generational household anymore.
0: Uh, not always. You can. Uh, it. It is less common now than it was then. I've done that. Yeah. Um. And I've done it.
1: There were four generations in this house. Yeah. Yeah. Four. So we, we had my. We had me and my wife. Mm, we had our kids. daughter. Um oh, I guess our I guess Eli was born Eli by, was by this he, point too, yeah. yeah, so we had both of our kids, <clears throat> we had my wife's mom, and we had my wife's grandparents, yeah, that's all living four here. generations, and yeah. I will tell you, I love every person that I just mentioned in that list, but there's a reason people don't do that anymore it's hard, it's very hard, yeah, there's a lot of sacrifice that happens in that model, yeah, um, but that was the biblical model. Yeah. That's absolutely the biblical model. And then it says that it's slave owning and authoritarian. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely slave owning. We see so many narratives in the Bible about people owning slaves.
0: And so let, let let's stop and talk about that for a minute. Okay. I think it's kind of important because I've heard a lot of people say. That how people owned slaves back then is different than how we in America owned slaves in the 1800s.
1: Partly true, is partly partly false. Okay, so Greek slavery very different than colonial slavery. Absolutely. Um, So Greek slaves they could own their own property. They could live in their own homes um they could buy their own freedom mm. greek slaves was very different it was much more humane in the way that it was handled now they're still slaves right so they could also be sold mm. um you know they are still property but they're treated with some level of dignity
0: so they're treated with more dignity than were befo- than colonial slavery Oh, leaps
1: Uh, and bounds more. But but Roman slavery was not as nice. Roman slavery had a thing called chattel slavery, which is very similar to what we would know as colonial slavery. Mm. And so like.
0: Treated as animals almost.
1: Yes. Yeah. Very much so property that if I have an abundance of you, it doesn't cost me anything to kill you and I will gladly do so.
0: Um, I mean, there's
1: a lot of ancient literature about chattel slavery. So, and Chatel means property in case, in case you didn't know. Um, it's where we get our word cattle. Oh, okay. it's a Latin word.
0: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense.
1: Um, but anyways, so yeah, it's not, um, it's not cut and dry when people say that it's not the same they're partly right and they're partly wrong depending on which part of the Bible they're talking about. Right. Um, Because once you get in the New Testament times, remember, even Paul is a Roman citizen. Yeah. So when he's talking about slaves, more than likely... He's talking about Chateau. He's talking about Chateau slavery. Um, Because it would have been the most common. Like, it would have been... It's just like what people did. Right. It's no longer... They still speak Greek, but like... It's a Roman empire. They do what the Romans do. Right? What's the age old saying? When in Rome, do as the Romans do. Yeah. So, like when Paul talks about slavery, more than likely he's talking about chattel slavery. And that's why it's so important when we read Philemon, which is Paul's letter to Philemon on behalf of a slave named Onesimus. And he says, "Receive him as you would receive me." Because Philemon would never beat Paul. But he might beat Onesimus for running away. Yeah. So they're not
0: It's not one to one.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not that they're it's not that colonial slavery was absent in the time. It's just that it wasn't the only option. Yeah.
0: Okay. So glad that we we explored that a bit um what's the next part
1: authoritarian um with women and slaves and children being the property of the man so ladies if if the biblical model of family is what you're going for um you are the property of your husband um, Children, you are the property of your husband uh, and of your dad. Of your dad, sorry. And so, and that part of the reason that that's we don't necessarily think of it as we're just so removed from that culture, that context. Yeah. We don't think of it this way, but people would send their kids off. Like if you owed somebody a debt, so like let's say you made a bad deal, you took a debt from somebody. And you owed someone seven years of labor. Mm. You could send your seven-year-old for, let's say, nine years if you negotiate it. They can work your debt away. And it's 100% legal because they're your property. Yeah. And people did that. Mm -hmm. Um, Your children were your property, so you could do whatever you wanted with them. Actually, it's really interesting. In Acts chapter 8, when... Um, Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. Mm-hmm. It's the first time we're introduced to a eunuch in the new Testament.
0: Um, let's explain that for a second. Man, I hate that you're going to make me define that. Um, I, I know, but it, it this is, let's talk. It's, I not- know.
1: Um, I hope I don't have to put this on an explicit. Oh, um, a eunuch. I'm going to try really hard. A eunuch is a man without his who is manhood. more like a Ken doll. Yeah, without his nailed it. Hood. Yes, yeah. nailed it. Okay, yeah. So, with that, we get introduced to the eunuch, and you could become a eunuch a number of different ways. Yeah. Um, if you worked for a queen, you had to be a eunuch because they didn't want any fear. That she could be defiled or raped by one of her workers, right? Uh, because even still, she's the queen. Yeah, you're still a man. Yeah, you like. There's a good number of men that would still believe you over her, right? Um. So if you work for a queen or someone in a like a countess, you had to be a eunuch but a lot of people would make their children's eunuchs so that they could ascend the social ladder and they make that decision for their kids before they were old enough or like had a say, so it's like children really were property. That's why the stories of Jesus, where he says like, you remember the stories where like the children are running around trying to get to Jesus and the disciples are like, shoot, get out of here. And Jesus is like, don't like, let them come to me. Yeah. That's why that story is so polarizing. Because if you couldn't earn an income in the ancient world, nobody cared about you. Right. And children couldn't earn an income. So, like, that's why that story is so impactful. Yeah. Children, women, slaves are all property. Which, when you bring the element of the gospel into it, that model of family doesn't seem to reflect the gospel at all. Yeah. Um. It's because the Bible's written for us, but not to us. Mm
0: -hmm. And you've heard us say that a lot, and you're going to continue to hear it on and on and on. Um, That is something that we should put on a t shirt, actually.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it, I mean, well, because we just don't think about it that way. We've been Mm -hmm. so ingrained that, like, this is the living word of God, which it absolutely is but it was also written to a specific people in a specific time in a specific culture dealing with very specific issues. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've somehow, even though slavery is never explicitly condemned in the New Testament yeah. or in the Old Testament, we've somehow seemed to come to a conclusion that it's non-biblical, that it's not in the character of God. Yeah. But we haven't used that same logic to transfer over into other areas of, um, faith. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. And part of it is we leave a whole lot of trust to the translators of our Bibles. Yeah. And I think, you know, we don't really have a choice, but I realized when I first started, so if you don't know, um, I'm working on my third master's degree in theology, Christian studies, New Testament, you know, all those types of things. And if you've ever been to college, you'll know how many this is. But I have 18 hours studying the Greek New Testament, like 18 class hours. Yeah. Not just what I've done on my own
0: outside of that. He's got 18 credits.
1: Yeah, I've got 18 credit hours in the Greek language. Yeah. That's a lot. No, that's... that's um Yeah that's a
0: that's like half of an associate's degree
1: well um maybe in a more clear it's half of the major core for
0: a bachelor's degree there you go
1: it's it's more than a minor yeah um so my Greek is pretty good, and I've been studying for a long time. I first learned Greek um almost ten years ago mm. uh I learned Greek in twenty twelve Wow. Yeah. So I've been studying it for a long time, really passionate about it. One of the things I noticed is we put a whole lot of trust in our translators. And I don't know that if there were more people doing checks and balances on translators that they would translate things the way that they do. So I'll give you a great example for this. There's a lot of confusion around Biblical model of family because of what we talked about that the what the biblical idea of family and the way it's recorded in scripture doesn't seem to reflect the gospel, and yet it's still there, right? So I have my NRSV Bible here, New Revised Standard Version, which is my preferred text for um, like English translations. And I'm in Ephesians 5. Okay. In this text, in this translation, there's a there's a passage break, like a subheading. And if you don't know the verses and subheadings and chapters and all that, not original to the text. We put those in to make it more like reader-friendly. The the text break here in Ephesians 5 is in between verse 20 and 21. It says the Christian household and it says be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay? You don't really think anything out of that. Of the 10 most like widely used translations of the Bible, of those main the most 10 popular, only 4 of them put that break there. The rest of them, the 60% Put the break in between 21 and 22, which makes the Christian household, get this, start with wives, be subject to your husbands as you are to the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's a very different way to start that conversation than by starting it with be subject to one another. Yeah. So I can say be subject to one another And that comes out right off the gate, like, okay, this is a mutuality. Yeah, I can move that subheading to before 22 and start that conversation with wives, be subject to your husbands. And I've now made this patriarchal society again. Yeah. Here's a problem. Now I got my Greek Bible out. Verse 21 be subject to one another in reverence for Christ or out of reverence for Christ it's a weird particip- or a preposition there verse 22 this is the li- most literal translation i can give you and the women likewise your husbands to the lord There is no verb Mm. in verse 22. And in Greek, you don't have to supply a verb for every sentence. Right. So if you don't have one, the common practice is to get it from right before because you're still talking about the same thing. Yeah. So all these people, most famous one for this is the English Standard Version. That's the most popular used translation that does this, where they put the break in between 21 and 22. They, if they were truly as literal as they say they are, they would start that. If they really believe that 21 belongs in the section above, they would have to translate that. The women. Likewise, or the same to your husbands as to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Like that's what it is. It's, you're going to go word for word like they say they claim that they do yeah but you have no verb they know that they have to steal the verb from 21 but they leave 21 in the section above it clearly belongs with 22 and so with that i want to end us here with this idea that not only is that idea of the biblical family kind of flawed um but and I want to be as nice and considerate as possible here people in positions of power don't want to lose power yeah even biblical translators
0: yeah cuz that's a position of power
1: that is clearly a movement of power specifically yeah. because the ESV Is a Southern Baptist translation, which the Southern Baptists don't want women in positions of power and leadership. They actually specifically deny that, that women can't be in those positions. So they made a conscious decision knowing that they have to steal the verb from the verse before, but they put the section break in between them because it better fits their narrative. So, even sometimes the way we formulate these, quote-unquote, biblical ideas of marriage, they're not always true to the text because we put a lot of trust in our translators. And if you don't know and you don't have a pastor who is critical, you may have missed some of these things.
0: So, uh, with all of that said, whatever... Um, family model that you have that is relevant to 2020, whether you're in a multi-generational house, uh, some form of a blended family, uh, same-sex family, same-sex household, yeah, uh, 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 a traditional family, um, this series is going to be for you. Yeah. Um, We are going to break down family in general.
1: Because I don't think it's helpful to read at face value what the Bible says about the Christian household.
0: Because what was happening um, at that time was very different than what's happening now. Where we're at in 2020 with families, um, my gosh, is it different?
1: It's a different animal. I mean,
0: because now you have wives or women um even if you're uh, uh, a same-sex uh a family and you both identify as women then you know what you're both pulling in income and that was not a thing back then
1: yeah i mean women could make income in the ancient world um you know
0: it was in a Excuse very me. different way but well
1: it was u- more unique circumstances but we have very wealthy women who are recorded in the Bible as supporting Paul and supporting Jesus. Mary Magdalene, contrary to popular belief, she's not a prostitute. yeah. And she absolutely financially supports Jesus. Mm-hmm. Lydia, a wealthy textile magnate, recorded in Acts 16 in the Philippian church, absolutely supports Paul. Yeah. Phoebe and Chloe, like all these women are wealthy women, to support Paul. So you could do it, but when we are talking about um, the contemporary family or to to riff off the show, the modern family, yeah, it is quite far removed from the biblical narrative and understanding of the world. and I don't think it's helpful to look at it that way.
0: I agree. So, so track with us over these next few weeks as we break down this issue for you.